It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the special holiday, the special day known as Single Awareness Day. I refuse to say the holiday name because I hate this time of year. Just call me the Grump of February, the Grump of VD, whatever you want to call it. Welcome to this edition of The Game Changer. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, you know me. I'm Nate the FN Grade. I'm the guy who has a massive ego, but also a big heart. I'm being joined here by one of the most talented, beautiful, and very, very... I would definitely say incomparable, but also very much one of the best people that I could ever work with, that being the one and only Victory Bell. Hello from Chicago. Oh, that was so nice. Hello. <laughs> you seem like you're in a good mood today. Well. Um, but no, yeah, happy V-Day. The V-Day Grump. <laughs> <laughs> the V-Day Grump. Oh, man. We were actually talking before the show about uh, that actually being like a t-shirt that I should do. So for those of you that are looking forward to the Patreon launch date, remember that's April 1st, just about a month and a half away. If you are looking to get some new t-shirts, some new merch, definitely get a chance to hit me up and let me know what you'd like. I will have some designs ready and go- going by next month, so... It's going to be quite the interesting launch. There's a lot of things going on, but I'll discuss that more once the launch date gets to it. But we're not here to talk about that. We're talking about some things that we kind of love as well as probably hate. I mean, last week we talked about uh, who we would recast for Suicide Squad as well as for Justice League. And quite a bit of a list. If you haven't gotten a chance, go check out that previous episode. It's quite awesome. Uh, This week we're going to be discussing... Some pop culture news that happened throughout this week, as well as how we would rewrite the Justice League movie, as well as the Suicide Squad movie. So it's going to be quite the interesting episode, to say the least. Also, shout shout out to my friend Ashley, who is apparently an avid viewer. It's awesome that you listen in to the show and you like our interesting points that we make. I mean, honestly, we just like to have fun. That's the bottom line. So let's get right into talking about what's been going on this week. So let's first talk about the fact that we had not one, but two Disney trailers that were launched this week. One being an official trailer and one being, I guess, a teaser trailer, you could call it. Uh, Where do we start? Uh, Let's go with the official trailer. Um, The uh, live-action Aladdin trailer just launched, and oh boy, it's definitely got a lot of people talking, definitely. And... um, yeah, I literally texted you after watching that, and I just said, I'm a little bit scared. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it, t- it took you a couple of days, and then you just said, okay, I think I understand why. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I finally watched it. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, basically, what we got was we got you know, you know, the nice scenery view. We got an idea what Agrabah is going to look like, the Cave of Wonders. Uh, we got to see what our Aladdin's going to look like. Some of that kind of stuff. Some of that stuff, I'm okay with. That's not going to be the issue. But I had two issues with this trailer. Uh, and the first one being of what I think a lot of people have been, you know, whining and complaining about for months and months on end is Will Smith Genie. Now, for me, I didn't care about the fact that, you know, they didn't make him blue yet. It was just one of those things where it's like, you know, it's going to happen later on down the line. They'll show it. It's fine. Then it happened. And after watching it, I was just like, damn it. This is not, no. Because we've talked about this numerous times that Will Smith, he's a great, talented actor, but the problem is there's times where he can be uh, Will Smith the actor and then Will Smith being Will Smith. For me, this was a role where it's like Will Smith being Will Smith. I literally looked at it and I'm like, no, they're, they're changing the genie completely. He's very chill. He's very relaxed. Just, no. This is not at all what I envisioned. I was willing to give Will Smith a chance and then I saw this I'm like, oh, God, no, please, just, why must you hurt my favorite animated Disney movie? Come on, just why? Uh, yeah, uh, that, it's just so sad to me. Like, I think that's kind of what we were texting about. I'm like, what the hell is that? Is that, did they just take his face and, like, plaster it on this, like, kind of, like, weird marshmallow man body of, that's blue? I don't know. It's just one of those things where... I, somebody actually made a picture of a different genie, but it was uh, Jack Black instead of Will Smith, and literally I thought to myself, oh my god, if they would have done Jack Black, I would have been more accepting of that, because he's got that crazy comedy, he's got that crazy mind that you know could be you know half of what Robin Williams' mind was, but we get Will Smith, we get a chilled genie, Honestly, I'm going to just say this right now. I've watched uh, these, uh, what are they, uh, productions from like a Disneyland live action uh, Aladdin. And honestly, it was one of those moments where I thought I would much rather take these actors who played the genie. At least they had the same enthusiasm. At least they had the same kind of spirit of what the genie provide. They actually had some funny parts in there that were improvised. I thought, oh my God, this is kind of awesome. So I'll give an example. So there's a part in the show where basically Aladdin's breaking down the fact that, hey, I'm not going to be able to release you for the third wish. And I like to think that this next part was kind of improvised by the actor or maybe the director's just like, think of like a couple things you could say here so that way it's not completely stale. Uh, there's one part where you know, the audience boos, they're not happy, and one of the actors who played the genie just looks out in the audience and he's like, well, great, now you're ruining vacations. <laughs> and... <laughs> There's another one where after they boo, he just looks at Aladdin. He just says, do you hear that? Those are my thoughts. <laughs> and I'm just like, why couldn't we have had this genie? Come on. God, that that's awesome. They knew what they were doing. I mean, granted, they weren't going to have a candlestick compared to Robin Williams. But at the same time, they still had that same spirit. I look at this Will Smith genie. I'm thinking, this is going to be like a really, really bad Reanimated genie, CGI, just avatar wannabe looking genie that's going to be completely chill and probably not deliver as much comedy as Robin Williams did. Just, I apologize for those that are hating the fact that I'm hammering the fact that I'm comparing 
the genie to Robin Williams. But here's also a fact that I want to bring out. A lot of people remember Robin Williams because of his craziness and a lot of his funny stuff. But you have to remember that many people might remember him as a genie, but he could still do serious roles and he could still tone down the, the comedy. Mrs. Doubtfire, Good Will Hunting, Good Morning Vietnam. Just all these movies have serious movies. Jumanji. Jumanji was one of the first movies I saw him where he was barely, barely comedic. And he was able to change a character. You could argue. It's like, well, he's still kind of funny. It's like, yeah, but you could still separate from the two. When we're dealing with Will Smith, it's either Will Smith is acting like a different character or Will Smith is playing Will Smith. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I was kind of... The little points that I was giving to you were just like, this trailer, not giving us a lot. It is giving us a good scenery of what they're trying to do. And I, I compared it to the Jungle Book. Um, if anyone has seen the new Jungle Book, I really enjoy it. But it is extremely CGI'd. Like, it's almost as if they didn't even go, like, they didn't even leave a studio to shoot this. Um, and they hardly did it for the Jungle Book. They didn't go to the jungle, I'll tell you that. Um, they didn't need to. And in all honesty, with the Jungle Book, you really only have one one character that is real. Um, so I understood why they would make basically the whole world CGI so that their CGI cr creatures would interact really well with the world. That makes sense to me. I'm like, all right, I accept that. That's cool. And they worked really hard to make like um, items that would react with the kids. So, like, they made, like, you know, Baloo's belly so he could lay on it and stuff. Like, I, I, I enjoyed what they did. I enjoyed the Jungle Book and Hulk. But when I see that, like, the Jungle Book and Aladdin look really similar to me, like, I'm like, the castle's super fake. The cave is super fake. The genie is super fake. They have a lot of real characters. It's Aladdin. Like, they have, like, every human should be a real character. Camels should be real in this. Come on. You can get a freaking camel. <laughs> like, I don't... I don't know why it's so CGI. That's, that's my problem. Is like, why are you making a CGI world? Why couldn't we go into the desert? Why couldn't you do anything like that? Like... I don't know. Like, I, I know maybe that's asking a lot, but I would rather have some real-life things. Like, I mean, we have the Taj Mahal. You could have gotten some, you know, cool images from that to, like, make Aladdin's castle or something. Uh, another good point is Beauty and the Beast had a, a an actual town they shot in. They made a town in, like, the middle of nowhere Europe, and they shot in it. So it's not fake. Like, the buildings, everything, the things that people are interacting with aren't fake. And, I, I obviously, I don't know if some of the stuff is real in Aladdin. But just from the first glance, like, I'm like, ugh, this is just... It's too heavily CGI-focused. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be... Like, I, I also compared it, I'm like, this seems like it's going to be another, like, Cinderella or something like that. Like, Cinderella just wasn't that good. It, it was actually a lot of CGI. The castle, the 
the place. Like, you're like, okay, like, I can tell this isn't a real building that we're going into right now. And obviously, the cage of, or the cave of wonders, I don't expect you to find a cave of wonders. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Right. But, um, I don't know. You could have at least sent them out to the desert for a filming day. Yeah. I don't know. At, le- at least have something there where, you know, maybe not like all the gold is is real, but you still have like something there that's, you know. Yeah, I, didn't I, the gold look super fake? It certainly did. And the other thing I will say that I had an issue with was, I think to a lot of people's surprise, and I'm sure some people are going to defend this, but at the same time, I'd be very surprised at who is in the right mind going to defend it, was... Jafar, because here's the yeah. thing, what he looked like, it was great. I thought that everything about him lo- looked good, but then when he started to, you know, give his voice, it was one of those things where I'm just like, what? Un- unless this is like the old man thing, this does not seem like the intimidating Jafar that we knew, and some people might make the argument, well, it's a new generation, so the kids don't want to be, you know, just know right away that Jafar is going to be a villain. It's like, Really? No. You you mean to tell me that that you want to change their voice? Okay, that's one thing. But to keep like the robe and the the hats and you know the look that he had, that's not going to tell them right then and there that he's going to be the villain. Oh yeah, no, I agree full heartedly. Just shut up. Are you kidding me? I remember Jafar having like this deep voice, and he was just very cynical and maniacal, and you could definitely tell that he had something up his sleeve. And that was one of those things I liked about it. It was like, you know, he's still very cool about it, but at the same time, you know, he's a bit of a bastard. You know, he's a villain. And they took that away with just this, like, high-pitched little voice. Like, what is this? I am not looking forward to him turning into a snake and having maybe even a higher voice. Like, hey, it's a plastic of my own. Or he's going to sound like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Like, oh, the process. Ah, ah, process, process, process. I will legit walk out of the theater. That'll be the first time I'll ever walk out of a Disney movie thinking, "Nope, I am done." That I think it actually would be the second time I've ever almost walked out. First time, of course, being Slenderman, but that was a different story. That was in an earlier podcast. I'm moving on from that. I just uh, these changes yeah. that they make. I, it just doesn't. It, and again, we're we're judging it pretty harshly right now, just because it, it just isn't looking great, and it's not sounding great. And I'm let's let's be real. So two Disney trailers came out. One Disney trailer was all over the web, and one wasn't. And Aladdin wasn't. No. Uh, they're not promoting it. They're not really throwing it out there like that. And that would scare that scares me for what they think of the movie. No, I wholeheartedly agree. And honestly, we got Dumbo just to ride around the corner. And they're promoting that actually a bit more, which is a bit of a relief. But honestly, I look at Dumbo the same way as probably a lot of other movies that people might look at. I think people didn't look very fondly on Pete's Dragon until they watched it. It's like, oh, it's awesome. Um, I think with Dumbo, it's kind of the same deal where it's like, well, Dumbo's not really that memorable. But this might be one of those movies where it's like, oh man, that was a, that was an awesome Dumbo movie. Holy cow. It just, it actually looks really good. And honestly, this could probably be one of the cleanest I've ever seen Tim Burton direct a movie. I mean, you have to be honest. Look at his roles. I mean, you got Nightmare Before Christmas. You got 
Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, oh gosh, what was what was another one? I'm, I'm missing one. Uh, Alice in Wonderland. I mean, he's gotten yeah. a ton. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like you know, this is one where it doesn't seem like it's too far out crazy. It just seems like it's a little bit more tamed, which is kind of surprising. But at the same time, you know, I tip my hat off to Tim Burton for toning it back a bit, especially for a cute little elephant. Holy crap! I mean. I'm literally looking at those eyes, and I'm just like, this is the most adorable thing I've ever seen. And it's completely CGI'd. Is there something wrong with me, or am I just that mesmerized by this CGI elephant? No, I I think Dumbo looks... I'm not that huge of a fan of Dumbo, but it doesn't look bad. Like, I haven't been to the movies in a while, so I need to go. I I didn't even go see Mary Poppins, but... I, I know, I didn't... I'm, it doesn't appeal to me. Like, I'm not going to come out for that. Um, but I heard good things. Uh, no, no. It, yeah, I would de- I would definitely, for you, just, you know, wait wait to rent it. It's not one of those things yeah, where I'm saying exactly. it's trash, but, you know, you're not going to be missing out on too much, in my opinion. Yeah, and the only movie I actually really want to go see, which is pretty hilarious, is the How to Train Your Dragon movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love dragons! Well, it looks pretty awesome, and I will say this: that one of the things that they've been handle, hammering with the VD is the uh, that that little scene that um, that that the one dragon has, where he's where it just says like how I flirt, and it's just showing you know the black dragon yeah. just doing doing the whole like like wings up in the air and the buh, buh. Yeah. And it's just like <laughs> it's so funny. I'm just so looking cute. at that like wow, how many people can relate to that? How many people have actually done that in a bar? <laughs> Like, and the person looking at you is like, what is going on? <laughs> like, uh, is this, someone need to take this person to the hospital? <laughs> Keep me away from this booze. Let me tell you that right now. Uh, but, but no. But, but I you, think they're just so adorable that yeah. I, like, I want to go see right. it. And I also, I enjoyed the last two. And so, I don't own them. And I was like, oh, I want to watch them again. So, I'm... <laughs> definitely filming, or not filming, I'm recording on, <laughs> on YouTube TV, not filming, oh my gosh, I can't do that, I wouldn't do that, but uh, I'm recording the first one is on YouTube TV coming up uh, this Sunday, really? so I'm excited, I think it's on Channel 7 or something, I don't know, but I can record now, so I'm like, yeah, I'll have the movie! <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so we did talk about the fact that there were two trailers that got released, of course, one being Aladdin, the second one, oh my god, I just remember... You texted me the title there. I'm just like, and you say, go see this trailer. I'm like, all right, let's 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 just see what happens. And I know, I will tell you this, when my mom heard about that this was getting a sequel, I was literally, she was literally like, oh boy, this is going to be interesting. I watched the trailer and literally, I almost dropped my phone because I was just blown away at how, wow. Cool. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's undescribable. And the trailer, of course, we're talking about is for Frozen 2. Literally... I cannot believe the, how, honestly, you know, good it looks, but at the same time, it definitely looks a lot more darker and a lot more action-packed than the first one. Yeah. Which, I don't know how I feel about that, but at the same time, I don't hate it. It's just, it's it's an interesting turn. From us to go to what we had in Frozen 1 to now Frozen 2, it definitely seems darker, more gritty, a little more action-packed. I'm just kind of like, I, I don't know how I feel about this. It's kind of interesting now to see if Moana gets a sequel and they follow that same pattern. Yeah, um, I'm intrigued. 
intrigued by the whole idea that uh, like this is my this is what I'm thinking. Okay. Uh, which it's weird because they're going in reverse, but maybe they're trying to turn back time. I don't know. Um, Frozen was like winter, and this looks like fall. I'm wondering if they're going to do a summer and a spring episode or something like Is it going to be a trilogy? Is it going to be all like four seasons coming together? Um, Because it was a lot of leaf stuff. Like was popping up, like colored leaf. Oh, wow. So I just thought it was interesting. I'm like, okay, are they kind of like trying to bring her back from a frozen person? And, you know, now fall is where like you're, you're, if you're reversing it, it's coming back to life, but it's just not all there yet. And like summer would be like, yay. And maybe they'll stop at summer. Like, but like summer's like, it's bright and alive. And spring is like, you know, birth. So I don't, hopefully they don't go back that far. Like, oh, now she's a little kid. <laughs> um, but no, I can just, I, I see the season trend they're doing. But in general, it, it was just really like, you just felt a lot of, like, emotion. Like, there's a scene where Elsa's trying to run across the ocean, which, obviously, we have no idea what's going on. But she's attempting to run across the ocean and, like, getting hit by giant waves and stuff. And you're like, holy crap, like, what is going on? And then, like, like you see Kristoff, you see Anna, we see uh, Olaf. We have all of our favorite, uh, Sven. I remembered it. <laughs> um, and we like all the favorite characters are back, and I love that. Um, but also, like the ending was like, what is going on? Like they're in like all these this autumn like forest. And we're like, we don't know what's going on. But like you see at the end is like Anna like takes Kristoff's sword and tries to like slash it to be like the trailer's over, and you're like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> Like, she's fighting, too. Like, oh, it's so cool. <laughs> at, at this point, the fact that, you know, Anna was able to, you know, punch uh, Hans off off the boat, it's kind of one of those things like, yeah, she is going to be a badass. And that was probably one of those things where so many people are confirming that, oh, my God, Anna's going to be a badass in this movie. It's like, well, I mean, Elsa's already a badass, so I think they did, definitely do need to give Anna a bit more layers to her because I think that the first one, she was just kind of, you know, the kind of you know, sweet, innocent, kind of, uh, you know, lovey-dovey kind of one, but it definitely seems like there's a lot more depth and a lot more layers to her in this trailer, and that could possibly come into play during this next movie. Holy cow. Guys, that's going to be coming out in November. I'm excited, and I want November to happen now, even though I'm still excited that we get Captain Marvel and Endgame. Just Yeah, there's just now, I mean, movies galore, man. Movies galore. <laughs> it's, it's like every month there's at least one movie that everybody wants to see. Next month it's going to be Captain Marvel. The following month it's going to be uh, Endgame. Uh, later on in the year we have you know, It coming out. We have Frozen 2, the latest Star Wars installment. Just a lot of really good things happening. And there's going to be that one movie that everybody's just going to be like, yes, put the money in, put the money in. <laughs> uh, it just looks... It's going to be a really crazy year and probably expect me to go on a binge. Let's face, let's face it, I, I'm a movie buff, I go on these binges, you you heard the fact that I went to about 50 movies last year, and it was worth every single damn minute. It was awesome. So, alright, let's get into this topic that, uh, this surprised me with your, no, this didn't surprise me with your reaction, it was just the first text I got from you 
was literally one of those things where I'm like, did did I just kill her? Uh-oh. <laughs> what, what, what just happened here? Uh, there was a rumor going around that they are still considering a lot of different movies to be live-action animated or CGI'd, whatever you want to call it. Especially with Lion King, it's not live-action, it's fully CGI. You know what? I think that we need to establish something, Tori. We need to establish something to where, you know, where for our show, we need to establish, you know, which ones are, like, focused on CGI and which ones are live-action. We need to have, like, a definition for both of them so that way people don't get too confused. Like, Lion King's live-action. It's like, no, it's fully CGI. Don't even try that. It's like, Avatar's live-action. Sort of. But more CGI. Just... I think we need to establish that one of these days. Just, it's like, no, this is our quota for CGI movies. This is our quota for live-action movies. If they fit them, they fit the role. But, of course, as I was saying, they're thinking about possibly doing either a CGI or live anime, whatever they want to call it, for A Nightmare Before Christmas. And I literally was like, oh boy, this is not good. And I was going to reveal this on the show, but I thought, no, she needs time to digest this. So as soon as I sent it to you, you sent me, literally, the next text message I got after I told her that was just seven dots. And I'm just like, oh, oh. So, by all means, the floor is yours. <laughs> well, I just want to, like, I just wanted to, like, give myself some backing here and say there is a dictionary definition for the term live action. Okay. And it's in filmmaking. It's action involving real people or animals as contrasted with animation or computer-generated effects. Okay. So, if your movie is all computer-generated effects, just from that definition... You can't call it live action, okay? You can't. That's not what it is. You're lying to people. It's just another animated film. Gotcha. And it's just annoying. And so by definition, Lion King is not live action. Stop calling it that. Gotcha. <laughs> not you, not you. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying gotcha. You're like, not a joy. Oh, sorry. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> there, there are plenty of other times where you've scared me. This was not one of them. This was just like, okay, you know what? Good. You're establishing it. It's good. Yes. Again. But... That's what they're calling it, but it's just bogus. It's just, uh, I just feel like it's a money-mongering thing to try to, like, get people in. Just say it's a remake of The Lion King. Okay. If you don't call it a live action, I will be happier. Because then I don't have as much to complain about. Because I want to go see The Lion King. <laughs> right. But not live action. I want to go to the remake. Um, and so, like, when you brought up the, like, just just saying it and also we got off of watching the Aladdin trailer the mm -hmm. Aladdin trailer was very depressing and then he throws this ball at me and I was just like that is not live action you cannot make a live action Nightmare Before Christmas how are you going to make a live action none of these characters look real you're going to CGI almost every, everything like no that is not you're not going to find a Nightmare Before Christmas world like, you're not. It's going to be all CGI. We already know this. So, it is not a live action. Would I go see it? Possibly. It sounds kind of fun. But it also is a claymation. So, it almost takes away from what it what its essence is. And that's that was kind of like the first really big claymation movie was, like, it's Nightmare Before Christmas. Christmas, we spent hours upon hours, like, claymating this and 
taking little pictures, having like 75 different heads for Jack and stuff. So I just don't, I just don't know. I think it kind of takes away from what the movie is and the essence of the movie is that claymation kind of creepiness and turning it into just a CGI movie. I, I think we'll just take away from what the movie was in the first place. So I'm a little sad that they're going to do that. Unless they make a giant claymation Jack Skeleton and take forever to film this and have <laughs> Bally be real. Then I'll be, I'll be like, you know what? You didn't take away from anything. But they're not going to do that because that would be really stupid and time-consuming and money in the toilet. I think that they would have grandkids by the time that movie would be ready to go if they were going to go that far. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a giant clay skeleton. It would be cool to go see it, though. <laughs> it, it would be interesting. Uh, so I actually posted this on my Facebook where I basically talked about, you know, are the remakes, are the live actions, are they really necessary? And like I said, it all depends on the movie. I understand that Disney, of course, is doing this deal where they are taking all the favorites that, you know, we know and love, like Beauty and the Beast, like Aladdin, like so many of these other movies, and obviously they're just trying to be like, okay, this was successful as an animated movie, let's remake it so that way it's you know live action where we have live people, where we have that. Some cases, it works. Like I said, Pete's Dragon was one of them. They took the you know Pete's Dragon that I knew, and they changed it completely, which was something I'm not warmed up to and I'm not really not, you know comfortable with because I know what I liked with my Pete's Dragon, but everybody else was like, no, this was awesome, this was better, this was better. And I'm just like, I, I just kind of liked the other one better. I liked the songs. I liked everything that was there. And, you know, that's a good example. Uh, we kind of discussed it. Uh, Beauty and the Beast is kind of like a wash because you like more things about the original. You might like more things about the live-action remake. It's kind of evenly balanced. It's one of those things where it's kind of hard to choose between one or the other. Uh, Maleficent is another example where, you know, Obviously, they gave a lot more character development. They gave a lot more to the Maleficent movie than in Sleeping Beauty. Literally, they were just like, well, we're going to have you know this princess. She's going to be in peril. But we're going to mainly focus on the villain because she needs to be a badass. And, of course, they kind of focused that more with the Maleficent movie. Uh, I kind of hate the fact that she didn't become a dragon because that was kind of one of those things I was looking forward to. But they decided, let's turn the crow into a dragon. It's like... Oh, because reasons? Oh, okay. I mean, that's still cool. We get a dragon, but it's like, uh, what was the point of this? And then the next thing you know, I see a lot of cosplayers dressing up like Maleficent. Of course, you being one of them, so I'm not trying to criticize them, but it's one of those things where it's like, it feels like they made this just so that people can dress up like Maleficent and give Angelina Jolie something good. Uh, but yeah, we also we mentioned it earlier. Cinderella was a, is a horrible example because... The original Cinderella, it was great. It was live, it was you know animated. It was simple. We had characters that we liked. It was it was very happy, but at the same time, same time it felt it felt good. It felt really good. You had feelings for Cinderella for what she was going through, where she was staying strong. In the live action one, she breaks twice in the movie, which takes away from the second one, which is where you know her dress gets torn and gets beat up. Oh, get torn. One thing, where it was like, <laughs> you could have just sewn that back together. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, no, but this Cinderella's more empowering, this one's better. It's like, no, she's not. She's an idiot. 
She literally could have left the house. She literally could have left the house. No, but she wanted to keep her father happy. I understand. Do you think her father would want her to be miserable in that house? No. Well, 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 well there's, 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 there's the prince, and the, then there's the, the dress. It's like, I'm sticking with the original. I'm sorry. So the point I'm trying to make is that it always does depend. If there's one movie that, you know, deserves a remake, we've definitely talked about these, then make it into a live action. Make it into a completely CGI'd. Make it into a remake. That's fine. But when you take these risks with the higher-valued movies, especially for those that have actually lived to seeing them, you're taking a lot of risk, and very seldom do they be successful. I think Beauty and the Beast, uh, Pete's Dragon, maybe Maleficent are like the only few that I can think that are the ones where it was like, okay, we took a risk, and it paid off. It paid off well. Just Yeah, yeah, um... I think when we were talking to just about like what we want out of these remakes, because they all are just remakes, we get that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to add more money in Disney's pocket, but obviously it's entertainment, so it's not like it's not malicious. Like it's they're trying hard; they're spending a lot of money on these movies. Right. Uh, I loved Beauty and the Beast, but kind of like you said, it didn't replace its movie. Because I, I I own both, um, and it they're different to me. I don't. I feel like they're just different tellings of a great fairy tale. Uh, I like that. I like you take a fairy tale, and there's there's the underlining theme that you need to get out, and then you can kind of play with it. Like books do it all the time. There's so many different retellings of Beauty and the Beast. There's so many different tellings of Princess and the Frog of of Cinderella, of, of all these great tales, and you're like, dang, like, how can there be, like, thousands of books, and then the movies are the exact same? Like, come on. There's there's ways to go around a remake that can keep the essence of the fairy tale and still bring us something new, and that's what I loved about Beauty and the Beast, is, yeah, like, the beast still, you know, oh, I'm dying. And she's like, no, I, I, I loved you. I didn't know it. And then I'm like, oh, he's dead. But, like, they told such a good story around it and gave it backstory for both. Like, having Belle have her mom die of the plague and stuff. But you're like, ooh, historical. Like, uh, like I like it. Um, and what I, what I was kind of complaining about, which I did not not like this movie, but the Maleficent movie didn't do what that fairy tale was supposed to do. Like, given right. that they tried to make it, like, a little, like, more, like, pro-women, like, women can love each other and save each other. It's the two but sides like, to every story deal. That was my issue with it. It's like, oh, yeah, she's not it, that it evil. Just, it changed a fairy tale. Like, if you're going to do, like, Beauty and the Beast, or not, oh, I'm sorry, Sleeping Beauty, same beauties, whatever. Right. If you're going to do a, a Sleeping Beauty fairy tale, like, you can't just all of a sudden be like, wait, time out, let's take the main villain, let's not have her really be that bad. And you're like, what, what, wait, (laughs) I I, I get like humanizing them a little, but she's still a bad person, (laughs) like, you still want to kill a little kid, kill a lot of other people, like, come on, like, I enjoyed it, don't get me wrong, but it was, it wasn't beauty, or it wasn't Sleeping Beauty. It was a totally different story, and, like, people were like, oh, we like it, but if this is their Sleeping Beauty remake, it's not Sleeping Beauty at all. So that was, like, my thing. And, like, Cinderella, 
they hardly changed anything to me. But they just took out the songs, which were the best parts. Oh. So I guess they did change some, just making it worse. Uh, but they also made it like dark and dreary, and you're like, that's not Cinderella. Cinderella's bright, happy colors, and the mice talking and dancing, and yay, like cute, but... Only dark thing was Lady Tremaine's face in that one scene. That was it. That's literally one Right, of which was good. Like, I mean, Cinderella has a lot of undertones of darkness, but the animation and the songs are all really happy because that was her. She was a happy-go-lucky person who was in a shitty situation. But yeah, so that's what... I want them to remake stuff. I think it's great, and I am calling them remakes, not live actions. I want them to remake it. But give us something more so I don't want to be like, oh, I have to choose which which movie did I like better. Because in all general, any of us will be nostalgic and be like, no, like I liked the first one better if you make it the exact same. If you add something new and go off of the fairy tale but keep that underlining theme, it'll be great. Mm-hmm. But that's why we're kind of worried about Aladdin right now just because, again, the villain doesn't, seem the same and the genie just does seems weird (laughs) it's just hard it's just like oh we don't know if this is going to be good yeah so ladies and gentlemen I will tell you this that one of the new series that um I, that I'm doing for Patreon is this little segment called uh, Nate and Max Go to the Movies so definitely look forward to that because we've been filming ever since January so we got a lot of reviews that are going to be coming out in April uh, when Aladdin hits, it's going to be very interesting to see what my reaction is after the movie is. Whether I'm kind of like, okay, maybe I didn't think it was too bad. Or I'm just literally pounding my head into the steering wheel of my car just saying, why did this movie happen? Why? <laughs> and Max is trying to calm me down, just being like, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. It, it's okay. It's like, it's not okay. Will Smith did not redeem this. Nobody could. Oh, I did say, I do think that Will Smith is going to do a decent job on the song. Because I like him. He's a good musician. But I don't think it's going to be the same, like, oh, I'm a Noah French guy. Or no, I'm a goofy guy. It's not going to be like that. But it'll probably still be, listen, like, you'll still want to listen to it. And it probably will be played on the radio. Probably. Predictions. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a bold prediction. And guys, also remember the next week we have our Oscar prediction show, so definitely tune into that. It's going to be awesome. But before we go into our commercial break, there was one other thing that was brought up this week that kind of brought a little bit of controversy into the world, and honestly, it involves Twitter. So honestly, I can't give it justice. So by all means, Victory Bell, this story is yours. What the hell happened? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is going to be kind of controversial, and maybe people will pick different sides and everything, but I'll just say what happened. You let me know what you think, and then maybe I'll tell people what I think. I don't know. So basically, Chris Pratt and Ellen Page, like, had a a little fight. Um, Ellen Page attacked Chris Pratt on Twitter, basically, like, suggesting that he belongs to a church that um, is anti-LGBTQ, which, if anyone knows Ellen Page, Ellen Page was Juno, um, she was in the X-Men series, she was in, uh, what is the dream one? 
Inception. Uh, so she's a pretty big star, and people like her, and she's been quite the activist for the LGBTQ uh, community, which I think is great. I like that people stand up for their beliefs. But So she goes and attacks Chris Pratt because he was on, I believe it was Jimmy Fallon's show, and he was talking about his church. And she basically tweeted, being anti-LGBTQ is wrong. There aren't two sides. The damage it causes is severe. And naming, like, naming Chris Pratt and just telling him that he's, you know, basically that because he goes to this church, he's against her community. And so Chris Pratt was just like, what? <laughs> and he came back. Where is his part? I, I looked as of right now I'm on the ABC7. So this was, I, I saw it on NBC, but I, I got the ABC one. Okay. Um, he wrote, Jesus said, I give you a new command, love one another. This is what guides me in my life. He is a God of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Hate has no place in my or this world. So he, he did a good response, but like she attacked him a few times. I guess he goes to Zoe Church in Los Angeles. Never really heard of it. Yeah. Uh, they don't say that they had too much stuff that had anti-LGBTQ in it in this in this article, they couldn't find much. Um, but basically, he also defends himself saying that, you know, they don't support divorce in the Bible, but his church and community was there for him every step in his divorce with actress Anna Ferris. Right. Um, and now they support him in his new engagement with Catherine Schwarzenegger, even though he's getting remarried. So I think he was kind of trying to say that all because it's a church doesn't really mean it's bad, but... Ellen Page definitely attacked him pretty hardcore twice just for going to church. So I don't know. How do you feel about this? You know, it's one of those situations where if she could back up her facts, then maybe it would be one of those things where I could support her. But if she's kind of just, you know, making these assumptions, making these accusations out of just, I, I don't know. I don't even think it's like pure hatred. I'm just kind of curious, like, what really even st started this? Because this had to start even pre, you know, this whole this whole religion thing. And I know that religion is definitely one of those touchy subjects. Um, but from what Chris Pratt has definitely been, you know, saying, I'm probably going to side more with Chris Pratt on this. At least, you know, he's being calm, he's being collective, he's not, you know, getting angry and firing shots back about, you know, the LGBTQ community. He's just saying, you know, this is what my beliefs are on, this is what I think should, you know, happen. This is just one of those things where he doesn't, it's one of those things where he's kind of coming off as not really even smug and arrogant. He's just actually just being himself. He's being somebody that definitely does seem like he, you know, he cares about this kind of, you know, shots that are being fired on him, but he's handling it in a mature way. Whereas Ellen is just going, you know, absolutely bonkers. And I think she's trying to get a reaction out of him and, He's not giving her the privilege. He's just saying, you know, this is what I believe in. You have your beliefs, I have mine. And, you know, she keeps firing back, and he's just still saying, like, hey, whatever you want, that's that's your call. So I think that, I don't know, I, I understand, you know, activists, feminists, everything like that, 
they always make these accusations. They always make these deals about you know how this person doesn't say this about women, and this person doesn't say this about you know gays. This person doesn't say this about this, and they usually end up getting slowly burned after that because when they try to bring up stuff that you know clearly doesn't even matter. I mean, Ronda Rousey is a perfect example where somebody actually brings up you know feminism to her and. She talks about the fact that, you know, when she was in UFC, she fought, and she probably made more money than most of the men, so money was not a problem with her. She's working just as hard as the men. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, you're trying to basically be like, you know, oh, how hard is it for women to be in the UFC? It's like, you know, it's tough, but that's only because we have another person beating the shit out of us. Um, But it's just another one. I think this is another one of those situations where, you know, Ellen has her opinion, just making these accusations, and, you know, Chris is, you know, show, showing, you know, what he believes in, his facts, and it's one of those things where I think that, you know, Ellen's kind of in the wrong to keep doing this, but if she wants to, you know, if she wants to, you know, keep continuing to express her opinion, that's fine. I say keep giving us more of your opinion, Chris Pratt. Keep going, bud. Yeah, um... I think what really kind of sparked this for me is that I did watch, like, her, I think she, it was on the late show, so it wasn't Jimmy Fallon, it was with Stephen Colbert, Um, I did watch her interview with him about, like, uh, she was really passionate, it was, she got really, like, angry and just emotional about, you know, Vice President Mike Pence say, like, his views on gay marriage and stuff. Um, and I watched it, and I was like, you know what, this, she's passionate, she's strong, I like it. I like that she has her opinion, and she's going to stand up for what she believes in. And how she's, like, not wanting people to take away voices of other people. And then she goes and, like, watches the show with Chris Pratt when he's, like, just literally talking about he completed a 21-day fast with his pastor. They're not talking about the LGBTQ community at all. And so, like, her even tweeting, like, the first tweet being like, like, okay, how about you talk about this, too? Like, address that you're anti-LGBTQ. It just... It's just, like, made me, like, disappointed in her. And made me, like, like I liked your, your, I liked your fight. And then now you're just, like, trying to get your fight in everything. And trying to bring people in this. And just trying to bring down somebody who is, I don't think Chris Pratt's ever done anything that seemed, like, super anti-LGBTQ. He's just been pro-church. He's always been pro-church. He's gotten multiple complaints about praying or doing stuff and and you know I am not religious on any sense but I'm also not a hater like like if somebody wants to be religious if somebody believes in God and wants to spread love as long as it's not like that crazy like you know cult cult religion I can't deal with that um but I, you know, as long as people aren't hurting other people, like, let them do what they want to do. And that is kind of like the theme I thought, of, like, when I go into these events or do events with the LGBTQ is, like, love people and let people do what they want. Like, I thought that was the theme. And then having her attack someone so, like, 
maliciously and just like under the table, like, like I'm going to tweet this out to the world instead of like being like, Hey, Chris, like what's going on? Like you just talked about a church that did this and then him talking and being like, Oh, I didn't think they did this. And here's my stuff. Instead of throwing it out and trying to basically, if we're going to be religious, trying to like put them up on the cross and be like, ha ha ha, this is what you did. Let's have my community attack you. And then him defending himself being like, you don't have, like, send me evidence or or you don't have anything. So I just, I was very disappointed in Ellen Page. Uh, I, I didn't like it. And, you know, I, and that made, it makes her whole fight less strong now that she's just attacking anybody. Yeah, that's, so, that, 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 which that's sucks, rough. which sucks. She had a good, strong voice in, in the community for me. I thought, I thought that was great. I was like, hey, you go, girl, stand up for what you believe in. But now just, like, taking anyone down, I don't like that. that that's hateful. I, I don't like it. I, I can't follow it. So It is kind of just amazing how one moment can change a person. And this is probably going to be that one moment that's going to change a lot of people's perspective on her. It's really sad, because if she's that passionate about it, hey, that's great, then go for it. But, like you said, sometimes, you, well, like, what I'm getting from this is basically, you know, pick your battles. If it's one of those things where, you know, they slam on LGBT communities, then, then fight for it, to go for it. But if it's one of those situations where they're just, you know, living their lives, don't, you know, accuse them of being a martyr for just living their lives. Don't do that. It's going to make you look like the worst person in it. Yep. I do think she looked bad. I think she looks bad here, and she made, yeah, she she literally ruined her uh, her soapbox that she was on, which, you know, you get a soapbox, you defend something for a specific reason of being accepting, and then you, you go and you don't accept someone else. It's just hypocritical, and I cannot, I can't deal with hip- hypocrites like that, so... So, so bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, is that Star-Lord won this dance battle. Let's just say that right now. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go into a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about how we would have rewritten Justice League as well as the Suicide Squad movies. It's going to be creative. It's going to be awesome. Definitely tune into that. But before we go into that, i got to tell you guys, this week is going to be a crazy weekend for professional wrestling. This week will be the return of Pro Talk Wrestling, where I will be talking about the events that happened on this week, as well as talking about Elimination Chamber this Sunday. And after Elimination Chamber this Sunday, be sure to tune in here live on Spreaker.com to listen in as myself and the returning Chad Knight will be talking about this event. It is going to be a can't-miss, can't-miss event. Thank you, guys. So we will talk to you in just a bit. over at Eclectic Media Project. They bring you podcasts such as Musically Challenged. Whose podcast is it anyway? Want to hear something interesting? And their newest podcast, page 3.14 News. Check them out on Podbean and iTunes at Eclectic Media Project. On their website at www.eclecticmediaproject.com. Check them out as they are the home with a little something for almost everyone.
welcome back to the Game Changer, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Batman, and we're going to be talking <laughs> about rebooking these two movies. And this is also probably a voice you'll hear from us next week when we do the thing. We got something very big in mind for uh, the Oscars next week, so definitely tune into that. It's going to be crazy. And I may have spoiled a little bit of what happened, but I think it's just going to be one of those situations where you're going to be thinking, are they just drunk or are they just having that much fun? Why can't it be both? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's Most start. Will be. Well, probably. <laughs> so let's talk about the movies that, of course, we mentioned before: Suicide Squad and Justice League. We're going to start off with Suicide Squad, uh, mainly because it's one of those movies that I think kind of comes before Justice League, anyway. So, kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so basically, brief description, and if you don't mind, Victory Bell, I would like to take the lead on this, because, oh, I have been waiting to talk about this movie for quite a while, and... Please do, please right. take the lead. So, basically, what happened with their version of Suicide Squad? Well, for the most part, I thought it actually was done pretty well. I mean, they basically just decided, hey, let's recruit a bunch of these criminals, and if they die, hey, it's no... No problem for us. So they, of course, recruited the Suicide Squad, which consisted of Harley Quinn, Deathshot, Human Croc, Katana, uh, Boomer, Captain Boomerang, and El Diablo. They're taking on the High Priestess, if I'm not mistaken. Which, Empress. Empress, thank you. Or Enchantress, um, oh my gosh. I oh, enchantress. the Enchantress, that's right, that's right. I said so, her name. Well, so, it was something like that. It, it just, anyway, but basically, yeah, they basically go through the motions of telling mainly the stories for, you know, Deathshot and Harley Quinn. They do kind of talk a little bit about some of these other characters. Um, but yeah, it all ends up with them basically getting outnumbered, and then they have a little nice bar scene where they kind of interact with each other a little bit more. Then they take on the Enchantress, and surprisingly enough, they win... Because reasons, yay! And then to make this <laughs> even Harley Quinn, yeah. her back oh, is just God. unbreakable. Can, right? can, and again, this was one of those things where I, uh, they also incorporated Joker a little bit in this deal. Uh, a lot of people might remember the fact that it was played by Jared Leto, which did a pretty decent job. But then when he put on the grills and he has that kind of like ah 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 ah, laugh, it just was like, oh, and then they made it into a love deal, which a lot of people know for a fact that's not what their relationship was all about, oh, just, and then it ends with Harley Quinn getting broken out by Joker, and somehow, it's like, oh, we're gonna get more Joker, I want to tell you guys this, so apparently with the new Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn is not going to be making an appearance, and DC actually pulled the plug on the Jared Little Joker stuff. So, there's that. And all I could think to myself right now is, wait, but Margot Robbie was awesome. Why... Why do you hate me, DC? But, anyway, so basically, like we said, we had our issues with the movie. I think that, you know, having a bunch of people going against a person that has magic and power... It's kind of one of those things where it's hard to believe that. But, in the words of one of my fa favorite people, Adam Blampier, I know that we can do it better. So, is it alright if I take the lead on this one, or do yeah. you want to take the lead? Alright. So, when I was thinking about how I would rebook the Suicide Squad, definitely, if you haven't gotten a chance, go check out the What Culture uh, video where 
that, where Adam definitely rebooks the whole uh, uh, Suicide Squad. It's actually really good. Uh, for my telling, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so Suicide Squad is still going to consist of the main people. Um, I'm still am going to be going with the direction that they had of focusing mainly on Deathshot as well as Harley Quinn because honestly, guys, people like you know Diablo, uh, Human Croc, Katana, those people they just deserve their own like movie just to kind of build them up. And it's one of those things where it's like you know yeah they'll be featured in the Suicide Squad movie, but then you have all these spinoff movies where you can be like okay this is how Human Croc became Human Croc, this is how Diablo became Diablo, this is how Katana kind of you know. Got her magic and blah, blah, blah. And you can focus a little bit on Captain Boomerang. That's fine. But I had to think to myself, okay, well, who would be the person that they would be fighting against? Definitely not somebody with magic because that's just stupid. I had to think of somebody. Who's, like, the most OP guy in, like, the DC realm? Who's one of those guys that definitely really just has a lot of power to him, has a lot of just unstoppable qualities to him? And it kind of hit me because I'm thinking, well, if they're going to do this, they're going to remake them anyway. I went with Bane because why not? This guy literally could shatter your bones with a blink of an eye. So literally, the literally Bane is just basically taken over. He's doing this deal where he wants to have this gas put into the city where basically he wants everybody to feel pain, whether it's a mental pain, a physical pain, because he believes that everybody should feel worse pain than he has felt. So, obviously, the cops can't do anything about it because Bane basically could just be like, hey, you're broken. You're broken. You're broken. Oh, look, there's a leg. Snap. Literally just destroying everything. So they decide, okay, well, obviously our police forces aren't doing it. Let's send basically a suicide squad. Yes, they even make that line very crucial. And, of course, I do like how the director has this deal where basically she's saying... You don't have a choice in the matter when it comes to this. Either do what we say, or you're dead. That's literally what it's all about. And that's kind of like the theme that's hidden in here, is that it's all about making the choice. Whether it's the right choice, the wrong choice, but I would not try to hammer it in too much. Even though the director probably could hammer it in so much. Um, so obviously, they have their kind of first battle. They're not exactly a cohesive unit. Uh, but Bane does get a chance to beat them. And he even actually gasses Harley Quinn. And unfortunately for Harley Quinn, it actually does affect her mentally. So she starts, you know, kind of convulsing. She has, like, these memory relapses of her relationship with the Joker. And, you know, before this even happens, we do see a little bit of a bond between Deathshot and Harley Quinn. They kind of, you know, you know, cozy up to each other. They kind of tell each other these deals. They're... They find a reason to, you know, talk to each other. And for this to happen, we see quite a bit of, you know, like these hazy visuals that Harley Quinn has where she, you know, is basically just seeing and like, oh, she's happy to see the Joker. She's happy to see her pudding. But we also, we don't get a chance to see it, but we see her just, you know, go from like being happy to just getting a little bit terrified, a little bit scared. And whenever she says pudding, everybody else is just like, what what the what the fuck is she talking about? And Deathshot's the only one who's just like, wait, Puddin is so she he's basically trying, you know, snap her out, try to get her out of this, but of course she's, you know, screaming. She's just going absolutely ballistic. She's just having a hard time getting through this. So 
they tried to take her to a medical facility, and they said, well, there's nothing we can really do to help her out. She's going to be a goner. And, of course, they think, well, there has to be somebody who has an antidote or something like that. And they think to themselves, well, there may be one person who might have a theory that could help out. And then we cue, Pam gets involved. A lot of people might know that name. So, basically, she is able to find a way to take an extract from a plant that is able to help Harley Quinn, you know, fight this gas. It not only helps her mind get clear, but it also helps her immunity quite a bit better. And there's even a point where, you know, after she has her mind cleared, her vision's cleared up, she looks over, she looks up and she sees Pam. You know, that's where we kind of start to see the, you know, relationship bond. It's kind of one of those things where, I wouldn't say it's like love at first sight, it's just one of those things where they kind of feel this connection where it's like, okay, we both kind of have this same kind of background. We both kind of have this same mutual dealing. And, you know, even Pam, you know, kind of, you know, cozies up to Harley. She kind of helps her get through this whole deal to help her through it. And there even comes a point with Deadshot where he just states the fact, you know, you have a choice. You don't have to go back to that life you went, went through. And Harley, you know, has to recycle that through her brain that, you know, she doesn't have to go back to that past. She doesn't have to deal with that. Now, of course, eventually what ends up happening is that they do combat with Bane again. This time they're all on the same page. They're just about to beat Bane, but Bane is able to grab the director. He finds out the fact that if she dies, they all die. So literally, he's got a gun basically pointing to her head saying, you know, you try anything, she's a goner, and I know that you guys are goners. And Death shot, you know, he's got the sniper, he's ready to take the shot, and the director's basically saying, you know, stand down, you don't have a choice in this. To which Death shot, you know, he resists at first, but then he's able to do like a quick shot, boom, takes the shot, takes the shot, it gets the director in the shoulder, but it also hits Bane in his, uh, his tube, which causes him to lose his strength, they're able to take him down, and there's a point where he actually picks up the director and he basically has this line where he just says, I do have a choice, and you can't dictate it. Just have one of those kind of moments where it's like, yeah, you can't control me anymore. So, again, basically it's a situation now where they make the right choice, Bane is in custody, and we see you know them get put back in their penitentiary, and it kind of ends with, you know, again, like Harley Quinn, she gets kind of like this little note that from a mysterious somebody, until she opens it up, she reads it, it seems like a little lovey-dovey deal, and then at the end, we just see a J. Gee, I wonder who that could be. So it's kind of one of those things where now she starts feeling conflicted, she starts having a little bit of the relapse. Uh, I want to also say that before I get too deep into this, that when they have their final battle, they actually all have their gas masks, and I will say this, that you and I can definitely picture this, but when uh, Bane tries to, you know, gas Harley again, I don't know if you remember from Injustice 2, there was that moment where she, like, inhales, like, these pheromones, and she just sneezes it, like, the little cute, like, Tew. that's that's kind of one of those things where it's like, the, sec- the first time around, it affects her, the second time around, she just brushes it off, and Bane's just like, oh, crap. What? So, <laughs> uh, one post-credit scene that I would actually have in there is uh, going back to Pam, where basically she says, you know, I shouldn't have to, you know, put up with this. Innocent plants shouldn't have to, you know, die just for the sake of humans. Plants should be the ones that are the superior beings. 
she kind of reveals that there is, you know, a creature that she is working on, but also that there's a formula that's going to help her be a little bit closer to the plants. And she even kind of hints at the idea that, you know, it's going to be really tough for them because I'm going to be like poison ivy. And boom. That's how basically I would end it. So I want to know your thoughts, though. What do you think of it? I think it's really fun. I I like bringing in some of these Batman, like, iconic villains that, that really go well with, you know, Deadshot and Harley. And I think, I don't think it's a bad call to really play up the Batman. Like, why not? That, it should be. It should be people he throws in jail because he's one of those that does throw people in jail. So having kind of the Joker and, and Poison Ivy and Bane and Harley and Deadshot be like the main focus. I love it. I think that's fun. Um, I do love that you have the director, Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller is a big thing in Suicide Squad. She's a good constant that is kind of the person who is trusted-ish by the government, but is not actually that great of a person. Morally, she's not very sound. She's kind of the government, uh, I want to say hog, but I don't want to be like that, like, offensive in that, but, like, she's just, like, she uses the government to get what she wants, so she's probably kind of a little bit of a sociopath, uh, but that's kind of what they all are, so (laughs) we kind of accept that, but, but yeah, I think... I think that sounds really fun. I could see it happening, and I could see it being uh, played out as its own little, like, side story. And that that's kind of what I feel like the suicide verse uh, Enchantress kind of was. You're like, where does this come from? But I'm not for sure. I haven't read about this very much, so maybe I just don't know. But, but yeah, I, I think that having all the key characters there and having them deal with somebody as powerful but as human as Bane is, is a much more realistic villain for them to all face. Yeah, and you kind of notice one of the, th- the key components I put in there was indeed Pam, soon to be Poison Ivy, because yes. it's going to yeah. be one of those situations where it's like, okay, we're planting the seeds for the Gotham Sea Sirens. We have a Harley Quinn. The seeds. Have, yeah, <laughs> there, yes, there was a pun in there. <laughs> we, ha- we have the poison ivy. poison ivy. Now, <laughs> now it's missing is Catwoman, but that's going to be for a future movie. Who knows? Maybe she gets involved with one of the spinoffs. Maybe she just appears there. Who knows? But all right, I've done enough talking. So, Victory Bell, what are your ideas, or what are some stories that you have in mind for a revamped Suicide Squad? Yeah. So I think me and you talked, and. Um, I really liked how we both kind of took a different approach to what we were going to bring to the table for this discussion. I kind of went back to the comics and was like, what story did they kind of miss out on in these? Um, and you were like, I think I want to make my own story. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's super creative. I love it. It probably will have some underlining ties that the comic books have already had because, I mean, you know, kind of the basis of what the Suicide Squad is, and they kind of keep it keep it similar throughout throughout time. Um, but yeah, so I went back to the to the comic books to be like, okay, what are the top comic books that Suicide, or top story arcs that 
Suicide Squad had that I think could really appeal to now. Um, so one of the ones I really liked was called The Dragon's Horde, Dragon. which was interesting because um, this is the Suicide Squad kind of going into Japan and dealing with the Yakuza and, like, the Japanese crime syndicate and everything. And I think this would really be, like, cool to, like, see, like, Katana probably pop up again and having her be, like, the person who brings them into this situation. So I thought it would be cool to, like, change scenes. Like, the Suicide Squad isn't in America. Instead, they're dealing with the the Yakuza and just different people that are trying to take over like, the squad and take over the world in a different way. So, basically, this is um, a story that has Amanda Waller in it still. It has most of, like, the people that you said, but it's about, like, them going, like, the Japanese government hired them to locate a horde of weapons. That's kind of why it's called the Dragon's Horde um, that was left behind during the Vietnam War. And so they're trying to find these, like, really powerful, like, weapons. And then while they're going on this mission, their leader, Amanda Waller, gets shot and almost assassinated by the Yakuza. So they're now fighting, like, more of a gang. It it really is similar to the Marvel series, like, the hand in the Daredevil series and stuff, which people really take to because it is just people with guns fighting people with kind of other powers, which aren't, like, Superman powers, because that's just embarrassing. But, like, the Suicide Squad could get hurt by guns. So it's kind of fun to see them battle a gang. They see that their leader is down, and so Oracle, which is the former Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, steps up and takes over as temporary leader of the squad. Um, And then they have to defeat a popular villain called the Phoenix Gambit. Um, which is also known as Salvok or Salvanok, the Steel Wolf, uh, who was now a member of the squad. So basically, they're going to get like, like somebody's going to be a traitor, and they're going to have to deal with all that. So there's just a lot of stuff going on that could be just fun, different twists and turns. Like I, I loved the fact that Oracle comes in which is, you know, one of the, like, she's a wheelchair superhero, used to be Batgirl. Um, So another, like, Batman tie tie comes in. And she's definitely a little more moral, a little more sound of a a leader than Amanda Waller would be. So that is called uh, the Dragon's Horde. So they would go and try to find these really crazy weapons for the Japanese government. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like, you know, it could appeal to people who really like the Marvel series that are going on now. Um, And then the other one is uh, called The Fall of the Squad was the story arc. And so it happens. I, I don't think this could be like the first one. But, like, it happens after the squad had to deal with, like, events on Apocalypse, which is where Darkseid resides. Um, And basically, they come back to a world that has a a zombie effect going on. So, So, like, Amanda, apparently Amanda Waller set up this 
low crime family, like she was able to give them some power, and this crime family developed a drug that turns people into zombies. And so they come back to a world that has a lot of people who are mind-controlled and kind of zombie-like, and they have to deal with that. And being bad guys, you're like, oh, they probably don't care about killing people, but it is their job to try to reverse the effects and and try to save people um, from this zombie apocalypse crime family. And what's interesting is Poison Ivy is definitely in this one, so she can help with the concoctions and stuff, kind of like what you talked about. So I think it would be kind of fun if... It, it, if they didn't have them coming back from Apocalypse, I could see this being a really cool first one of, like, they set up this drug company that has been giving out bad drugs and causing people to hurt each other and stuff, and they're trying to cover it up by having the, the Suicide Squad basically, like, cover that. But in the end, it comes out that the government is the reason for this drugs and it comes out with the government hired these awful villains to try to help. So it basically ruins the suicide squad because it brings them out of the open to everybody, which is interesting. I think it could be like, you know, Iron Man saying I am Iron Man could bring some cool things. Yeah. Yeah. Both, both of them. I would definitely watch. I think that, you know, when when you mentioned the, you know, the, the Dragon's Horde, one thing that I kind of think to myself was, this could actually be relatable, because one thing that I've definitely enjoyed with uh, the Asian culture is when they incorporate this, like, gang of what they know as the triads. It feels like that was something that could probably be incorporated in that story, was that it's like a version of the triads that go to a higher extreme. Uh, with the second second one, obviously, you know, who doesn't like zombies, who doesn't like DC... It's kind of like you're combining the best of both worlds there. So right, I right, and I, I think it's something what we both I think took from what we wanted to see out of them is just a more reasonable opponent. Yeah, holy cow! Which Enchantress is not. That was I. I just thought that was a very stupid decision. If it was the Justice League, Enchantress would have been great. Right, but you can't have a bunch of human-inspired superheroes versus an enchantress. Like, you, you can't. So I liked how both of us were like, okay, what's a very realistic opponent for them? And I think that's where we got, like, you know, I got the Yakuza and, and like, that government, the government themselves is great, and then also, like, the people affected by this drug that the government had. Like, interesting. Yeah, definitely, but I would watch both of those versions. All right, so now let's talk about Justice League. Well, since I took the lead for Suicide Squad, Picture Belt, what the hell happened with Justice League, and what would you do differently? (laughs) Well, I didn't necessarily hate what they did in Justice League. Uh, I mean, it was kind of just... They didn't really have anywhere else to go because of what they did in Batman vs. Superman. I mean, you, you kill Superman, there's only really one angle you can go is, we're going to need to bring back Superman, and the reason we have to do it is because Apocalypse people are coming and attacking. 
I personally love all story arcs that involve Darkseid because Darkseid is just such an iconic villain for the Justice League, and he's just super powerful. Like, he has laser eyes that are better than Superman's and all this great stuff. Um, but I did go back into the, the comic books, and I was thinking I will tell, like, kind of three stories, then you could tell your story, and then mm-hmm. I'll end with two kind of cutesy, more fun stories. Okay. If that's cool with you. I'm all for it. Go for it. Okay. So the first one that is a great story arc is called the JLA New World Order, which was written by Grant Morrison and artist of Howard Porter. Uh, really great story. It basically kind of is the typical story where the Justice League, just, you know, the original Big Seven, so like Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Flash, Aquaman, Green Lantern, and uh, Mr. Martian or uh, John Jones are, are in it. Um, and they come back to Earth after, like, been fighting, and people are obviously not sure of the Justice League. And then a new, like, alien hero is called the Hyper Clan come to Earth, offering to solve all of Earth's problems. And doing it better than the Justice League were, were doing it, because the Justice League, you know, we're trying to be moral about it. Um, and they seem like the Justice League is ineffective heroes, but the aliens have a secret, and it's tied to one of the Justice League members, and only Batman knows the whole secret. And basically, it's having public opinion over what's really happening. So the public opinion thinks Justice League's bad, we should only have these aliens, while the aliens have a secret, and they're using people, abusing people. And probably, in general, like, it doesn't tell me the whole story because it doesn't want to give anything away. But, in general, they're going to try to take over the planet. Batman knows this. Batman always knows. But um, the Justice League doesn't, and they're struggling with public opinion. And basically, people want the Justice League to leave and disband because they're cool with the Hyper Clan. Uh, And we've seen this story come up a few times in other things. But I just think it's really cool. It's another like, powerful alien creatures coming to Earth that could compete against the Justice League and do and are winning in the fact of they're better at the Justice League's job and the Justice League is going to have to deal with it. So. Nice. Wow. I... <laughs> like, that's always fun. I like that. I like when they bring aliens in. Darkseid is an alien himself. Uh, otherwise, you can't really... You can't really explain the Justice League losing. <laughs> right. No, definitely. I definitely do agree with that. And I like the fact that it's kind of like, you know, one track where, you know, I think that with Justice League, it also kind of faulted with the fact that, you know, they brought they brought in Darkseid, which is great. But then they had that post-trailer deal where it's like, okay, we got Deathstroke and we got, you know, Lex Luger, their team. It's like, you're basically saying that while this was all going on, somehow Lex Luger got out of jail and... They wanted to create their own league. Okay, that that takes away from the movie quite a bit. It kind of keeps lack of focus. So what I'm doing with mine is that, well, first of all, I'll say I would I would also see that movie because that sounds really awesome. I mean, Aliens, Dark Side, what more can you ask for? Um, so the one that I ha- have here kind of has to backtrack just a tiny bit. I know that seems like cheating, but at the same time, there's a reason for it. 
going all the way back to Batman versus Superman, and a couple things happened here. One, Superman does not die, and two, Lex Luger actually escapes from, you know, being uh, captive. He's not arrested. People, you know, people are looking for him in Justice League, but basically how Batman vs Superman ends is that Superman starts feeling guilty. He feels guilty of the fact that, you know, yes, he saved the city again, but at the same time, it's like a lot of things that Batman was saying kind of starts hitting him hard, where it's like, I do my best to save as many people as I can, but it seems like more people are dying, so literally he just says, I'm done. I'm not going to, you know, do, do this anymore. So he and uh, Lois Lane kind of, you know, live in a nice little cottage like they did in Justice League, and that's kind of like their setting for that. They're kind of, you know, just trying to lead like a nice, peaceful, calm life. While, of course, Batman and uh, Wonder Woman, they're basically still thinking this is going to end until when we, you know, find Lex Luger. So, you know, Lex Luger, he's on the run. He's basically trying to formulate a different plan to take out the, you know, at least the two of them because he finds out that Superman leaves and he tries to figure it out when he's confronted by Amazo. So basically, Amazo is saying, you know, you're the famous Lex Luger. You're the one that brought this. And of course, we know with Amazo, he does a really good mind control deal. He tr- starts doing it to Lex Luger, but then he... Lex, Lex Luthor, right? Lex Luthor, thank you, thank you. No Lex problem. Luger, Jesus. Uh, Lex you're Luthor, fine. he, um, you know, and he starts kind of digging into Lex's mind, and it's like, you know what? I'm not going to do this because, you know, because I would much rather have that same mind working with me than working for me. So they come up with this strategy of, okay, we need to find somebody who can probably combat with Wonder Woman as well as Batman. And they actually, uh, Lex Luthor actually throws a newspaper down and it only shows a dark figure in, in the ocean. So they're going to be looking after Aquaman. So they actually find out where Aquaman is, and Lex Luthor, being the evil genius that he is, he actually finds a way to actually say to him, hey, you have to realize that there are people that are your enemies worse than me, even though Aquaman is just looking at him just like, there's nobody worse than you, dude. And he basically shows shows footage of what it seems like uh, Wayne Inter- Enterprises actually dumping stuff into the ocean, dumping stuff into the harbor. And of course, this kind of sets him off a little bit. And the final nail in the coffin of that is, of course, Amazo using his mind control to basically say, you know that Bruce Wayne is going to be your enemy, and you know that Batman is going to do whatever it takes to stay ahead. So basically, they brainwash Aquaman to go fight against uh, Wonder Woman and Batman. During also this time, we actually get introduced to, you know, the Flash as well as Cyborg. And they're not exactly, you know, recruited with Batman. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, they kind of are dealing with their own justice. Um, So it's kind of one of those situations where they see that. They see Batman and Wonder Woman are in trouble. They kind of intervene. While this battle's going out, Lex Luthor and Amazon actually find a way to basically put their minds together and bring back... Doomsday. I know. Bring him back a recycled villain. That just happened in the other one. That's yeah. uh, that's like, oh, hey, that's so original. Here's the thing about that, is that 
I think that with Doomsday, he was just brought in so late to the game that they didn't really get a chance to showcase him as a legitimate badass. So, like, about halfway through, this is where they actually find a way to bring Doomsday back, but they're able to find a way to make, you know, him even stronger than ever. So, literally, as soon as, you know, they realize, okay, Doomsday's coming, they're fighting, but they realize, uh, he's a bit stronger than last time. This is not... This is not a good thing. They basically get, you know, beaten by uh, Doomsday. Batman gets injured. Wonder Woman gets injured. Uh, Cyborg and Flash, they kind of, you know, take him away. Uh, at this point, one shot by Doomsday actually snaps Aquaman out of it. So he's trying to figure out, you know, what's all going on, what's white and what's wrong. And then we cut back to the cottage scene with, you know, Superman and Lois Lane. Lois Lane is just saying, you have to do something, you have to do something, and Superman's like, no, I told you, I'm not doing this, because more people get killed when I try to save them. And Lois is basically saying, you know, that more people are going to be killed if you don't do anything. Do you really think that your dad would want that? And that's one of those things where he kind of has that flashback of what happened with his dad, and he realized that, you know, when he did nothing, his dad was, you know, his dad paid the price. So it's kind of one of those things that kind of snaps him out of it. And he re, he unites with the Justice League. They kind of work together. It's still not quite enough just because of the fact that they found a way to make the crypt, uh, Kryptonite even stronger. So there's points where Superman actually is almost not able to do anything, but they actually do a pretty decent job. And look, but it seems like Doomsday is about to win again. And we see just, you know, Doomsday doing, like, the whole fist going back. He's about to crush them. When all of a sudden, we see something green chop off the hand. We enter Green Lantern into the equation. Hal makes his deal here. And I know this is putting on a lot of stuff. But with the help of Green Lantern, they're able to beat down Doomsday, ending him once and for all. And they're even able to find a way to get Amazon as well as Lex Luthor and they're able to put them away behind bars. So each of the Justice League members, they go their own separate ways. Of course, we see Aquaman have, you know, his movie, which is, of course, honestly, anything about that, I wouldn't change at all. Um, They, of course, would have to mention the fact that, you know, you helped out, you know, you helped out destroy Doomsday. He could even mention the fact, yeah, but I also got brainwashed by two idiots. Something like that. Um, One of the end credit scenes that, you know, Lex Luthor would have in his jail cell, he was just saying, you know, I kind of liked the idea of working with somebody. It actually worked out pretty well. But if two people can do that, imagine if I had a league of my own. And that's where we kind of put the pieces in for another huge gang up for the Justice League versus, it's the League of Villains, is that right? Or what's the... uh, Uh, League of Doom. League of Doom, thank you, thank you. So, you know, that's where we start putting in the pieces of, okay... League of Doom is now realizing that, you know, separately, they're very vulnerable, but together they might stand a chance. So, honestly, that's how I would book Justice League. Uh, I think I would still keep that last final scene where we have Superman and Flash do that whole, you know, race to see who's faster. I think that's just one of those things where it's like, okay, that leaves something to the imagination. That leaves you to where it's like, well, I wonder who won. They have to mention it in a future movie. (laughs) Right, right. I like it. I, I think it, it sounds good. I, I like the drama. 
Uh, and I like the introducing more characters. I think that's really fun. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if your your movie might be even better if it came after like the pilots of everybody else. Which I, I think I think that was a, a big hiccup in general yeah. for Justice League. It's like it's hard to not really know who these guys are when they just come in, you know? Right. But so like I would even like it if the whole Aquaman movie happened and that's why they know he's super powerful and all that cool stuff, you know. And then they're like, oh, we should use him. I like the mind control thing. I think mind control with the Justice League works really well um, because they don't really have someone as of now who can who can defend against that. Um, the person who it basically helps that is March and Manhunter. Uh, he's a telepath. So since they don't have anything, uh, yeah, take advantage of that mind control while you can. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, and uh, oh gosh, I had like a really crazy thought. This also kind of plants the um, the seeds for a future Superman deal because I because you know in Injustice Two we kind of see Superman kind of you know take justice into his own hands, and maybe this is one of those things where it kind of plants that because you know he's kind of iffy about you know what justice is, but maybe this is just one of those things where he starts seeing you know maybe this is what justice is. But then he goes a little too further with that. But, you know, it's something to kind of, you know, consider for the time being. But I wouldn't, yeah, say, I would, I wouldn't say go, like, full-on Superman dark with this. No, 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 no. That's going to yeah. be a little tough, especially when you're dealing with a guy that has your one weakness. But, you know, just kind of planting seeds in there where it's like, okay, this is what we're prepping for the next one. If you like it, great. If you don't see that in the near future, well, we're working on it. <laughs> Yeah, I really like always prepping to go with the League of Doom. Because obviously, I mean, one of the best Justice League arcs is Justice, where the League of Doom forms against the Justice League. And there's just so many people involved in that. Like, there's so many Justice Leaguers. There's so many villains that you get. Like, you couldn't start with that. But it's what everybody wants. Like, we want the League of Doom to happen because that's one of the best story arcs of of Justice League. But you can't start with it. So where do you start? And, I mean, yours is a good start. I liked the idea of, you know, like, having them already struggling with control or what people think of them. And I think that's also a great thing because then another league wants to start of the people who they usually beat easily. But you're right, when they join forces, it's always harder. So I have another one that could start, which... I think could be right, kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. This is called the Justice League, so JLA, a league of one. So this story revolves heavily around Wonder Woman. Oh, Do you know this one? <laughs> I was thinking Aquaman beats everyone. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Um, this revolves heavily around Wonder Woman. I'm totally okay And it basically kind of puts her as, like, the best member of the Justice League. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she yeah. didn't even mention it in Justice League. Like, she's the best one, so it works perfectly right. so far. I'm intrigued more now. Yeah, so it's a graphic novel, which I love. I love graphic novels a lot better than separate comic books. They're too short for me. Um, and it basically shows that 
Wonder Woman, the Amazon princess, finds that there's an ancient prophecy that foretells that the League will fall um, at the hands of a powerful dragon. I already love it. (laughs) Yes, give me this story. So basically, Wonder Woman finds out about this prophecy and is kind of keeping it to herself and is like, okay, what's going on? The League is already pretty established. Uh, They do have the core members of, like, who I said before, Superman, Batman, Flash, Aquaman, Martian Manhunter, and Green Lantern, and then herself. So she's the only woman... Um, and then she's also one of the more powerful ones, part of the trilogy. Um, and so instead of wanting her friends to be sacrificed and fulfill this prophecy, she decides to defeat and incapacitate each one of them. So it is Wonder Woman versus the League. And it's not all at once, but she goes kind of under the table and like, incapacitates each one of them so you get to see Wonder Woman versus all those great members which is cool which would be really fun and an awesome like scene to see like oh my gosh she's taking them all out I think Batman would probably be the hardest one because I would think that he would know she's doing something because she's not as sneaky as he is (laughs) um but yeah so she incapacitates she doesn't kill them she just wants to make sure that they can't fight and then she makes sure she's the only Justice League member left standing to fulfill the prophecy. And so she basically goes against the dragon. And we're not saying that she dies, but in the prophecy that she'll most likely die to the dragon. Or maybe something happens, you know? <laughs> uh, which I think sounds amazing. And I think it could be really fun, especially after how great the Wonder Woman movie did, if you highlight her, I think that would just make everybody love it. And the fact that she's not doing something she wants to do, she has to do it in order to save all these lives of people that she thinks can save the world in the end. So she's basically sacrificing herself. I would hope that it wouldn't end with her obviously being dead. But I think her ruining, you know, her fate by, like, messing with the prophecy, it might end in a different way. Okay. Yeah, honestly, that definitely takes a lot of, wow. Honestly, that's just a lot lot to take in. First of all, you know, having basically almost, like, Injustice 2, which is basically just showing them being like, you know, Wonder Woman versus Flash or Sight or Martian Manhunter and blah, blah, blah. And like you said, it's just one of those things where it's kind of like she's discreetly doing that. But then there's that one character that's just like, okay, something's not right here. And she's obviously constant, it would be Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Batman always knows. Why would you do this, Wonder Woman? Why would you do this, Diane? Why? <laughs> Sorry, that's that's so the worst. Just flick him in the head, and he's down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Kenner. Jeez, I think I'm going into like Will Arnett Batman than anything. <laughs> you definitely are the Will Arnett Batman. Yes, which is, Will which Arnett's is amazing. Fine. But yeah, I. Jeez, Louise. I mean, that basically seems like a Wonder Woman movie in and of itself. But also, you're incorporating a lot of the other Justice League members. I mean, she's doing it for a good reason. It's just her. You know, her way of doing it is probably not the best. 
But again, yeah, it's, just it's like, another one of her like taking the whole battle upon herself, which is which Wonder Woman does often. Like that's yeah, a true. mistake she makes often is instead of trying to be together, and Batman, all of them kind of do it, uh, but like trying to take the whole brunt of the pain to themselves. Which I like that. I think it'd be fun. I could definitely see it happening and being successful. Um, I'd get behind it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, it would be it would be fun, and it could be an easy way. Like, the league would have to already be established, but I think people would, like, go with it. Oh, definitely. Um, and the final thing I just want to say, which it would be super fun, it never is going to happen, um, but one of the best arcs of the Justice League was J- JLA versus the Avengers. Um which wasn't backed by either one of the comic books, movie, or DC or Marvel didn't, you know, like, say, this is my comic. But um, writer Kurt uh, Basic knows the DC and Marvel universe intimately. He's written for both, and he created a story that is just fun and is just for, like, fanboy, fangirl to, like, just fan out like crazy. So he has basically all of the Avengers that have ever lived versus all of the Justice Leaguers that have ever lived and basically makes their, you know, universes collide and they think they have to verse each other. And apparently it, um, you can't really get it anymore. It's out of print, probably because both of the comic book companies didn't back it. You know, they're right. like, this is not allowed. Um, but... It does say if you were interested, you could probably find it on eBay somewhere, but I would think it would be a lot of money. Um, but it's, it's just really cool, and I think that would just be, like, ultimate, like, fanboy, fangirl, if we ever saw something like that. Jeez Louise. I mean, Captain Marvel versus Wonder Woman, you kidding me? Batman versus Iron Man? Jesus. Thor versus pretty, Aquaman? Pretty epic. <sighs> Oh, I I kind of want that now. I kind of want Thor versus Aquaman. I want Jason Momoa versus Chris Hemsworth really badly right now. <laughs> even if they do, even if they do like a rap battle, that'd be amazing. Whatever. A rap battle. No, no. What was it? What was that? What was that thing called? Uh, the the lip sync deal. The oh, oh okay. yeah, 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 lip sync battle. Or lip whatever. sync battle. There we go. There we go. That's that would be hilarious too. But I, I you know. You're just making me picture them standing next to each other, and I'm just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even mind just them sitting. That would honestly almost be like the new DC versus like what Aquaman should have looked like. <laughs> right. it's, it's 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 one of those situations where where uh, I don't know if you... why don't we do that? Why don't we cast Thor as Aquaman? Like, what were we thinking? Like, quite oh, honestly, God, Chris Hemsworth is a perfect Aquaman. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be absolutely amazing now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, Backtrack. It's, it's one of those situations where um, I'm just imagining, like, almost like a duplicate scene from Infinity War where uh, where Star-Lord is, like, mocking Thor's voice. And just, like, Aquaman and Thor just trying to talk. It's like, are you mocking me? It's like, no, I just have a low voice. It's like... Sounds more like you're mocking me. No, I just have this low voice, dude. Nothing against you. <laughs> it's like, huh. All right. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh, I want this to be a thing now. I, I want that crossover. If anything, anything at all, if a DC and Marvel thing will never happen, 
I want that to at least be a thing where we just have that confrontation between Aquaman, this generation's Aquaman, and this generation's Thor. I just want that. That would be that'd be hilarious. Maybe we need to get SNL on that. Oh yes, just please, please and thank They're you. They're just both on there like so. <laughs> that's the opening monologue it's just I wouldn't even talking. like it if they were just both in the gym and they're like working out and they're like do you even lift bro he's like I can lift this hammer can you and then he like does something well I can lift the whole ocean <laughs> no. so, like, it would just be like wanting up just like testosterone battle. <laughs> SNL, make this a thing. I want that to be a skit on your show. Let that, that be, be Aquaman versus Thor. Literally a skit. I want that so badly right now. Just literally, like they're just one-upping each other, like you said. Like they're doing it the dumbbells, really then the Thor, really then the hammer, then the trident, then, you know, other random shit, just because. And then, and then Ryan Reynolds just comes in here and just like, you guys may be strong. But just remember who has the real chimichanga. <laughs> he just walks away like, <laughs> and they're just like, and 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 Aquaman's just like, who the hell was that? <laughs> and Thor's just like, eh, part of our sister company. No big deal. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my god! I, I'm I'm just gonna write that skit just for the hell of it now. I just, Do it. Oh my gosh. I, I feel like that's just going to be something I'm going to be doing next week when we do the Oscars. I'm going to be in the hotel room just writing up this skit, just being like, okay, do I seriously send this into SNL? I'm doing it. Just send it to them. They'll send it back. Just be like, we don't take like, submissions. Like, read it again. We don't take submissions. Just read it. It's literally. That's I want li- Jason Momoa and Chris Hemsworth to be in a skit together. Make it happen. People will love it. And just they would. People would love that. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh! And then just like I said, Ryan Reynolds just comes in and just trolls just because he can. That would be great. Oh my gosh. All right. So that is going to do it for this edition of the Game Changer. We are wrapping up, of course, the whole you know rewriting DC, talking about recasting DC. Now we're on to the, I guess you could call it the main event of this month, you guys. It is the Oscars. They will be taking place next weekend. It's going to be absolutely insane because we're doing this for the third year now, I believe. Yeah, and it's looking to be a lot more fun. It looks to be a lot more crazy. And it's going to be postless this year, so that's going to be really interesting to see how they pull that off. I mean, we had, what was, what was it, like a couple years? No, we had Jimmy Kimmel for the last two years. That's right. So I kind of miss Jimmy Kimmel now. I want him to come back. But at the same time, he's just like, yeah, no, I'm good. It's like, I kind of hate you, but I understand, dude. I, I get it. Um, but, yeah, definitely tune into that, you guys. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Like we said, we might be doing a dual live stream on Facebook as well as YouTube because why the hell not? Um but yeah, tune in, you guys, next week because we'll be doing our Oscar predictions. And don't forget, we definitely talked about this earlier. Whoever wins Best Picture, we're going to be doing a little bit of our own version of karaoke, whether it's Bohemian Rhapsody, A Star Is Born, or even if it's a song for like Back Panther. Even if we just have to just storm around the room just saying Wakanda forever, I'd be okay with that. It's <laughs> it's just literally going to be a lot of fun. Definitely tune in to that, you guys. Uh, but yeah, it's Looking to be a fantastic, you know, next few months. Of course, we got C2E2 in March. Uh, Water City WrestleCon for the Game Changer uh, in April, as well as WrestleMania. So much that's going to be happening. It's going to be absolutely insane. It's going to be crazy. 
Wow. And, guys, I definitely do need to mention this again. Uh, starting in April, WrestleMania weekend, Frontline Pro is coming to Stevens Point to the Holiday Inn. Get your tickets. Get ready. It's going to be awesome, awesome, awesome. So, with that being said, for Victory Bell, I've been Nate the Effing Great. You've been listening to The Game Changer. You know where to find us on Facebook. You know where to find us on Twitter. Well, mainly me. And please, by all means, follow me on Twitter, because somehow my Twitter followers are going down. I'm going to be surprised if I... Still make it to 2,000 by the end of the month. But you know what? It's it's whatever. It's one of those things where I've unfollowed a lot of people, so they're taking it personally, but whatever. I, I follow people that I like and that interact with me. I'm sorry. But if you don't interact with me, then you're going to get an unfollow. I'm sorry. That is what it is. But, like I said, it's not about the fame. It's about having fun. So, for that, ladies and gentlemen... We've been listening to The Game Changer, and enjoy Single Awareness Day, or VD, for those of you that like a good joke, and we will talk to you guys in the next episode. So, it's going to be Oscars, it's going to be awesome. Have a good one, you guys. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before before I go, before we go, I actually do need to mention this, you guys. Um, I am going to be having a special interview with another one of the cosplayer trios that I had a few weeks ago. Uh, it's going to be uh, the girl who plays Raven. I will definitely have her uh, bio, her Facebook information in the description, you guys. Definitely check out her stuff. It's going to be awesome. And by all means, send your questions for that. So now we can go. Have a good one. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye again.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.